I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm trying to impart to the congregation of Grace and Truth the signs of the end of time, which have to do with what Israel did when they were a nation under, well, not just kings, but when they were a nation under judges. And God warned Israel what he would do if while they were a kingdom, if they went after other gods. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can. I'm trying to impart to you that this coronavirus is a judgment from God. I don't know how dangerous it is. I'm not an expert on that. I'm not trying to tell you that this will be the great world pandemic that's coming. I am trying to abide by the laws of the land. I'm trying to, I'm not an expert on what's actually happening. I don't believe anybody is. The Lord said, if you go after other gods, he told Israel in Deuteronomy 28, and in Leviticus 26. And he also told him in Exodus 15. And many other chapters. If you go after other gods. I will send these four judgments. The sword. The famine. The pestilence. And he said I will send that over and over again. The sword, the famine, the pestilence. We've got a virus going today. Some people say it's not dangerous. Some say it is. There's a split. I don't know what it is. I listen to both sides of the fence. I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm trying to cooperate with the government as long as it doesn't hurt the ministry and it hasn't hurt us yet. What I'm trying to do is show you that at the end of time, the famine is going to be here, the pestilence, which is disease. As to whether this is the worst, do I believe this is the worst? This can grow into something major worldwide. I'm not trying to tell people what to do and what to not to do and trying to figure it out because you hear all kinds of sides to it. All I'm telling you is what the Bible says will happen at the end of time. There will be pestilence. There will be famine, a food shortage. We've already got that throughout the world. And when Israel sword was war against Israel, war, it's really amazing. The Lord said in Deuteronomy 28, if you keep my statutes and my commandments and my commandments, he says, your, your field will be full. You'll have more food that you can possibly eat. He says, you are, your basket will be full. Your storehouses will be overflowing. And you'll go against your enemy one way, 
and they will flee seven ways. So that means when the sword comes against you, you will be able to win, and it doesn't matter how many there are or how big their armies are. We've got several we've got several illustrations of this in the Bible. Of course, you remember Samson, he killed uh, a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. There's no way one man can do that unless he had the power of God with him. Then you had Asa, Asa over there in Second Chronicles, I believe it's the 14th chapter, that he went against a half of, he went against a million Ethiopians, a million Ethiopians, million Ethiopians with half a million men and then the Ethiopians had 300 chariots of iron the iron chariots had these wheels on them and they had these scythes going out the side and they would just cut people down you couldn't stand before that yet Israel won because Asa was a righteous king and he was the king of southern Judah. And then you had, at one time, where Ben-Hadad attacked Israel and at the end of First Kings, and he said, I want an unconditional surrender. Ben-Hadad was the king of Syria. There were several Ben-Hadads. One was a father, and then a son, and then a grandson. And he was, this is Syria right here. This is Israel here. This is Jordan right here. This is Iraq, or what we were, they would have called in the ancient world, they call that Babylon, and over here in, in uh, Persia was over here in Pakistan and Iran and, and all the stands, the Turkmenistan and so forth. That was, per, that was Persia. Well, the Lord said, if you go after these gods... If you keep my commandments, but what does that have to do with today? Well, today you've got all these preachers, the charismatics. You have the Baptist. And they're all preaching things that are not true. The Baptist, you have the Pentecostals. And what amazes me, nobody defines words. If the Pentecostals define the word tongue, they'd find only two words for tongue. And the only reason it was translated tongue was when the King James Bible was translated, they would say things like, forsooth, what tongue does he speak? That meant what language is he speaking? Forsooth meant of a truth. I need to think I need to start need to start saying that. Forsooth, where shall we eat? Forsooth, I have to go to Kroger's. Forsooth, I have to go to Publix. <laughs> I like that. I may start doing that. Now, so the word tongue, you got two words, glossa and dialectos. Now how can the world 
how can the world be obedient to God's word as God promised over here in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 if the preachers are preaching well tongues are a bunch of jibber jabbering it's like saying shandalamanda kandai shandai that is baloney that's not true glossa means foreign language a glossary is a section of a book with words that are foreign to the average reader. Dialectos is the word dialect. They had a different dialect. They had a different dialect in every city-state of the common Greek language. The reason, how can we be practicing the truth if, if the preachers are not telling us the truth and we wouldn't know that. The average person doesn't read their Bible. The average Baptist that goes to church don't read their Bible. Even if they do, they don't define any words. They don't know what they mean. And the average Pentecostal doesn't either. And the Baptist preaching, accept Christ as your personal Savior. The Bible says that's not true. The Bible says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Natural is the word sukikos. It's the word physical. It means the, man, the sensual man that can see, hear, taste, touch, feel, smell. That man does not accept, does not receive decomai, which comes from deck, which is the word ten, deck. And a decade is ten years, decomai. You say, Jim, you say that all the time. This is all that's going on in these churches. Decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been presented. D-E-C-H-O-M-A-I. Comes from deck. Ten. Means to reach the ten fingers out. The charismatics say they can be healed with faith, and that's not true. Healed with faith. Every time the Bible says thy faith is made thee whole, whole is the word sozo. Every time it's the word saved. Faith does not heal. It saves. Good night, you guys. Even when Jesus, Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood, your faith saved you. It made you whole, sozo, saved. Now go and be whole of thy plague. Same word, whole, whole in the English, but they're two different words in the Greek. Then he said, go and be hugias, H-U-G-I-E-S of your plague. Hugias means physically cleansed. Physically cleansed. We get our word hygiene from that. Hygiene. He told her, since I'm a living God, go and be holy your plague. I have done so many messages on all this stuff these guys are teaching. It's just one lie after another. Lie, 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 lie. I'm just sick of the preachers. How are they going to... How are we going to keep the statutes and the laws of God... When the preachers are preaching this garbage, well, how are you saved? By belief, by faith. You're saved by grace through faith, not by praying a sinner's prayer or by accepting Christ when you're dead. 
You sound like you're angry, Jim. I have never been so fed up with preachers in my life. They don't know what nothing means. Every once in a while, I'll run across some little country preacher on radio. He's talking about repentance and daily cross and death to self. And I don't hear these other big high rollers doing that because that's not a pleasant message. Now, what are you getting at, Jim? I'm trying to show you at the end of time, at the end of time, whatever the coronavirus is, it is what it is. But there's going to be pestilence at the end. Maybe this will grow into it. And people will be dying by the millions. Not, why is it I won't be surprised? The reason I won't be surprised at the pestilence is because I'm not surprised at these other signs that God says he'll bring against, against Israel. All the time they were a nation, most of the kings of Israel were evil. As long as the king was righteous, God would deliver them. But when there was an evil king, he'd turn them over to their enemies. And they'd get slaughtered. What I'm wanting to show you, I can't teach one of these things without teaching all of them. I can't teach you about the pestilence that's coming. If this isn't the worst pestilence, it'll come. This may grow into it. We may end up having millions die in the world. You say, aren't you concerned about that? No, I'm not. Why do I seem to be so bold as to say these things? Because I've got the hope in Christ bringing me, coming back and taking me out of here. That's my only hope. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ right now. I've never been so tired of this world. I go through depression because the preachers won't say the truth. I'm not preaching against the coronavirus. I'm preaching for God. I'm preaching that if you're not obedient to God's word, that these judgments will come. And they're coming. And they're on the way. You can believe that. It don't matter what you believe about the coronavirus. But it does matter what God said he would do to a people that were disobedient to him. That's what matters. And this is all about obedience or disobedience. Now, I'm not going to spend as much time on the pestilence of the coronavirus as I am on the beast. After Israel was, after they were disobedient to God for 510 years, all the time they were a nation, these are the judgments that came upon them. Those are the judgments, and there was no way out of it. And the last thing he did, for 510 years, they were under the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the very last judgment was when the beast came in and carried northern Israel and southern Judah. Southern Judah was southern Israel. 
I've already told you in previous messages, the reason God split the two nations into two kingdoms, that's what this chart is about here. It's got United Kingdom. That's when there was a king over Israel, and it was united, and it wasn't two nations. It became a divided kingdom under Solomon's reign. Solomon did something that was outrageous. He was a wonderful man. He built the temple of God. God gave him the message to build the temple in the third chapter of 1 Kings. He finished up in the ninth chapter. And then when you get into the 11th chapter, he marries all of these strange wives, these foreign women. Nakri. N-A-Q-I-Y. Foreign women. And he allowed them to have their son and tree God. 700 wives and 300 concubines, which were secondary wives. And that's when he split the kingdom. Now, that's very important because one of the signs of the end of time is when the kingdom comes back together into one. That has already happened in my lifetime. They came back together. It was a long story, their fight with the Arab nations. When they were declared a nation, May 14th, 1948, this upset the Arabs. This was the final ending of what was called the Balfour Declaration. Arthur Balfour was the representative to Israel from Great Britain. Balfour. That, that Balfour Declaration ended May 14th. 1948 that that uh, declaration was issued in 1920 that's after General Allenby had conquered he came in 1917 and conquered Israel took them into made them a a part of the British Commonwealth and began to rule them began to rule them in 1920. And they were like a state or part of the Commonwealth of Great Britain. Then that all during the time, this had such an ambiguous, it was a short, small statement. It's a short statement. And it was so ambiguous as to whether it was for the benefit of the Arabs or for the, or for the Jews. And that's because the Arabs had been occupying that land backward from 1917 back to 1517. And the Arabs actually believed the land belonged to him because possession is nine points of the law. They possessed the land. They possessed it for 400 years there. 1517 to 1917. When this, this declaration, Balfour Declaration, expired May 14, 1948, President Harry Truman 
evidently being a Baptist from Independence, Missouri, he knew something about the Bible. So he came up and pressured the world when they had this National Council at Tel Aviv to, to declare Israel a nation. The Arabs were just very, very upset. They said, if you declare them a nation, when this Balfour Declaration, they fought with them all along the way. They've never not fought with them. They fought with them, and they had several. In 1939, they had something called the White Papers. The White Papers. And these White Papers were very ambiguous about what they were trying to spell out, and the Arabs were saying this was declaring us, and we're the ones that are supposed to get this land because we have possessed it for so long. But the whole point of this was Israel had, had caused, Israel had caused themselves to be scattered because they never repented of Baal in the grove, Baal in grove, Baal was the sun god. He was represented by the fire upon the earth. Grove was the tree goddess, tree goddess, and she was represented by the moon, the Lord Moon, by the moon, and that moon is that moon is on the flags of all the Arab people in the ancient world. It's on the flag of the it's a crescent moon which is on the flag of the Turks one of the Arab tribes, and the Arabs had something in there. I'm simply talking to you about the end of time. There's got to be something like a coronavirus at the end of time because there's going to be pestilence. I don't know how this thing is going to grow, and I don't know how it's going to end. But boy, they're sure arguing about it in the White House and in the election and all of this. Like they're going to fix God's judgment. And nobody's going to fix it. I don't believe it's as light as people may think. I believe God is behind all of it. He's behind everything. He said he's declared the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, everything that's not yet done... I do know one thing. I have spent since 1964, I've been studying this. And I know what God says about at the end of time. I don't know whether the coronavirus is the finality of it and if it'll grow throughout the whole world. I don't know if it'll be stopped. If it starts or stops, it'll be God that does it. If it accelerates, it'll be God. I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out these world organizations that are arguing. It is God that's in charge. Don't you get it? He said he was. The thing we're looking for, when Israel was scattered, the Bible promises at the end of time, the two nations, Judah which is southern Israel and northern Israel, which is the ten northern tribes, ten tribes in the north. And that was headed up by Joseph. He's the one that got, got the inheritance through his second-born son, Ephraim. 
And I can talk all day long about that and go to chapters and read all through it. I've done this already a hundred times. And southern Judah was comprised of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And the king will come out of Judah. The inheritance will come out of Joseph or Ephraim. And the Levites belonged to both sides. Levi was the third son of Jacob. And they were all over Israel. They were, did not own any land. And they were the priesthood. The priest. They were the priesthood of Israel. And when they, when Solomon allowed his wives... Most people don't even know this. He, that's in the 11th chapter of 1 Kings. 11. That's when God said, I'm taking the kingdom away from you. You will no longer have the inheritance, Judah, inheritance. But northern Israel is going to get the inheritance through Joseph and his second-born son, Ephraim. Well, that's when they split. Long story. Not going to go into it. I've gone into it in great detail. The whole point I'm going to get over to you today is that Israel was split and spread all over the world, all over world. Northern Israel was scattered by Assyria in 722. Actually, it started about seven. 32 because there were several deportations and the final one was was coming in to slaughter northern Israel to 722 BC and you can find that in first in second kings the 17th chapter and the 16th chapter you can find that over in 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 uh, where southern Judah was scattered in Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, and in Second Kings, the 25th chapter. And they were scattered. And the Bible says, at the end of time, here's the whole point. If they're coming back together at the end of time, and that has already happened, if that's already happened, then the famine is going to go with it. And the pestilence will be with it. God doesn't just give you one of these judgments at a time. He piles them up on Israel. The pestilence is going to be here whether you like the coronavirus or not. Because of the preachers. They're not telling the truth. Not telling people to repent. You don't hear that. You're not, they're not saying to the world, you have to be hated by the world. When you tell them Christmas is Christ's mass, it's Roman Catholicism, it's paganism, and they don't even want to recognize it. What's really amazing, I figured out that Christmas was pagan when I was 12 years old. I knew something was wrong with it. I knew something was wrong when my father would tell us as four kids, Clyde and Janice and me and Dean, and he'd tell us Santa Claus is going to come to our house. 
And I was a little kid, five and six years old, thinking, how can it get in our house? We don't have a chimney. And they were always sitting there seeing Santa Claus. And I heard that he was a Roman Catholic priest or something like that. And I kept hearing it until I found out he was a Roman Catholic bishop in the 4th century. And as a little kid, the same thing that Israel got involved in, the Baal and the grove, which was the sun and the tree god, that's the same thing that Constantine brought into the church and renamed the Feast of Saturn or the Saturnalia and renamed it Christ Mass. And there was a reason for that. He was so afraid for 200 years all the Caesars here at Rome, there's Rome right there. This is the boot of Italy. And there's Sicily down here. That's where the, the mafia mob originated in Sicily. And, and when he was here at Rome, and all the Caesars prior to that for 200 years kept thinking the Roman Empire only ruled around the borders of the Mediterranean Sea. That's why the beast comes up out of the sea. It's not even hard to figure out if you study with maps. And you had all of these people that weren't ruled by the Roman Empire, the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths, the Huns, the Vandals, the Burgundians. These were all barbaric tribes, the Saxons, and all these people from the north were ruled by Rome. And they were rampaging they were called in the TV series, The Barbarians. You can watch that and get this picture. And so they kept thinking, we're going to be slaughtered. Constantine believed that the, he was frightened of the Visigoths because they were a barbaric tribe. And he said, they're going to come in here and overthrow Rome. So what he did, he brought all their gods and they had to be the same gods that Israel would after while they were a nation had to be the same gods because I've said this a thousand times Revelation 17 and 5 how can I say this it says Babylon was the mother of all harlots Harlot is the word porne, P-O-R-N-E. We get our word pornography from that, but it doesn't mean just look at naked men and women. It meant idolatry. Idololatry, E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. It comes from ido, meaning to see, and latruo, meaning to serve. It means to serve what you see. So if Babylon mothered it all, that means any idol worship in the world, including what Israel went after for 510 years, was the same thing that he, that Constantine brought in the church and renamed the Christ Mass. Can you see that? That was the same thing that, that he brought into the church and renamed Christ Mass.
and it developed over the years, all the various different. I've got a paper that gives you all the how that the uh, all the rituals of the Roman Catholics, the prayers of praying to Mary and uh, the mass and all of the ways it came into the church over time. What I'm trying to tell you is it don't matter what you think about the coronavirus. It is judgment. It'll either grow or it'll stop, and only God will cause it to grow or stop. Nobody will. If it doesn't blossom out to be this world thing, there will be one coming. Because God promised that. Now, what we're looking at is Israel being scattered. And I'll keep bringing up that that happened in God split Israel in the 11th chapter of 1 Kings. And in 1 Kings, the 16th chapter, the, the worst of the worst happened. A man named Ahab becomes king of northern Israel. Ahab. Ahab was a sleaze he didn't care what he did he ended up his castle was in northern Israel had a castle up at had a castle up at I'll put that back on the board in a minute had a castle up in Mount Carmel in northern Israel he was right on the border of what we call Lebanon. Right on the border of Lebanon. And Israel is up here. Here's Israel. And Lebanon is the same as Tyre. T-Y-R-E. Tyre and Sidon. And that was the seat, one of the seats of Baal, and grove worship. Grove. This is how it got into Israel. Ahab had a palace up here right close to the border, not far from the king's palace of Sidon and Tyre. And the king of Tyre was Ethbaal. It means with Baal. And he had a daughter that was a child of hell itself. She comes down. Ahab sees her. Her name is Jezebel. Bell means confusion. So her God was connected to her name. It was connected to Ethbel's name. And Ahab brings this God and goddess down into northern Israel. And then he builds temples for that. Temples for Baal in the grove. And then it spreads out all over northern Israel. And all the Levites, the priests of God, head south and say, we can't have nothing to do with that. Well, later on, Jezebel and Ahab had a daughter. Child of hell herself. Uh, hell on roller skates, as you might call her. She was, her name was Athaliah. 
and she married into southern Judah. She marries Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was righteous. He has a son, Jehoram, and she marries Jehoram and takes her gods down into southern Judah, and God says, that's enough. I'm going to scatter Israel, and the whole point about the end of time, the whole point about the end of time, the Bible speaks of Israel being scattered. Israel is scattered until... The times of the rule of Gentiles over Israel is fulfilled. Don't think that this pestilence is going to go away at the time being fulfilled of the Gentiles. All these these judgments came and stayed. As to what the coronavirus is and how long it'll last, that's not up to me to say. I'm just saying, I'm trying to point out to you the judgments of God. Not as to whether one of them will stay or whether it'll multiply or what's going to happen with it. If you think this is the we are close to the end of time. We have to be. According to Luke twenty one twenty four. That takes us back to let's go over there. I don't believe I don't see how the world can last much longer. As we get on closer into time, we're going to see a lot more pestilence, a lot more famine. And we're going to see war all over the world, and we're going to see the church go under attack. The Bible says so in the 13th chapter of Revelation and in the 7th chapter of Daniel that this world beast system is going to wear out the saints. You know, I believe a lot of people are not wanting this to be as bad as it is, which it may not be. I don't know if it is. I don't pretend to be an authority. Seems like we've got authorities on all sides of the fence that know exactly what's going to happen. But they don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about God's judgment on Israel. They pretend to say, well, this, this is not as serious as you think about the coronavirus. What difference does it make? If you think this is the last judgment that's coming, it's not. And what I want to show you is not just the coronavirus, Israel coming back into one nation, May 14th, 1948. And something that's really important is to show the six-day, the, the Sinai War of 1957. And then the Six-Day War, War of June 5th, huh? Six-Day War, <laughs> Six-Day Way, 
That's what I get for trying to write while I'm talking. Six-day war, June 5th through June 10th, 1967. That's very important. That right there is where Israel regains Jerusalem. And they had not had power in Jerusalem for 2,600 years since Nebuchadnezzar came in. When he came in, in, in 2 Kings 25, And in Second Chronicles 36, and when you read the book of Jeremiah, particularly chapter 38 through about 41, you see Nebuchadnezzar coming in, sends his commanding general in to level Jerusalem and care. And this was the this was a final destruction of Jerusalem. They leveled the temple took away all of the all of the vessels of the temple and they just struck it to the ground they raised it r a z e d r a z e d to raise something r a z e means to sack this they sacked jerusalem that's a, what we call a quarterback term but it wasn't didn't originate with quarterbacks originated back in the old world when they would sack a city and they would level it. They tore down all the walls of the temple. Nebuchadnezzar came in and Israel was carried off to, Je off to Babylon about 650 miles away. You say, Jim, you say that. What do you mean by that? All of this out here is the Arabian Desert. They couldn't attack through the Arabian Desert and Babylon was on the Euphrates River, so they had to come up north, and they had to attack Israel from the north. And Jerusalem is down here, so measuring from Jerusalem all the way over to Babylon, it's about 650, 700 miles. So they had to carry them away, and they were naked. And they leveled the temple and leveled the city, and when they wanted to make sure the city wouldn't grow again, they would plow the city up. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did and sowed it with salt so nothing would grow there. Destroyed their temple, carried everything away. And the Bible says at the end of time that this enmity between Judah, that's northern Israel, and Jerusalem, and excuse me, and Joseph, will be repaired at the end of time. Joseph would be northern Israel. Judah would be southern Israel. Remember, that came about because of Solomon's wives and concubines. I don't even understand that. How could good Solomon do that? He did. Now, at the end of time, what I want us to do, regardless of what, a, what the coronavirus is, we know that Jerusalem is back.
And let's go over here to Isaiah, the 11th chapter. There's two chapters I want you to look at. Isaiah 11. I'm not just, when I'm talking about signs of the end, I'm not just talking about coronavirus. That's just one of many things. I don't care who invented it, who's manipulating it. Whoever is, God put it in their heart. He takes evil men and cuts his people down. That's what Psalm 17 says. David said, deliver me from the wicked, which is thy sword and thy hand. I'm trying to tell you what God says he's going to do at the end of time. We're there. Well, let me go over here to Luke 21, 24. Let me go over there. I've been telling you this whole message that Israel was carried away because of their apostasy after 500 years as a kingdom. When you go over here to Luke 21, the apostles had come to Jesus and said, when are these things going to be? When one stone is not left upon another. Well, that happened in 70 AD when the Romans came in and leveled the city. It had already been leveled back hundreds of years before when Nebuchadnezzar came in. But the Romans came in during Jesus' time and Jesus' day. What he's doing, they're saying, what's the sign of your coming, your parousia? Your physical arrival. When are you coming back physically? I'm not going to get into preterism. I don't believe in that. Then he says, so these, he goes through a lot of these signs in this chapter. And he says over here in 21 and verse 20, when ye shall see Jerusalem campused with armies, kuklao, K-U-K-L-O-O, That's the word encompass. It comes from the word kuklos. Kuklos, you get that, you get the word kuklux, K-U-K-L-O-X, U-X. Kuklux, the Kuklux clan is the circle clan. This word kuklao means when you see Jerusalem surrounded with armies. When have they not been surrounded with armies? The only time they haven't been until Jerusalem. The Jordanians were driven out in the Six-Day War. They were controlled in Jerusalem up to the Six-Day War, June 5th or June 10th. This was even a kind of a little more important than May 14th, 1948. That was their War of Independence. This is where they drove the Jordanians out of Jerusalem. Here's Jordan here. Amon Jordan is right up here. That's the capital of Jordan. And Jerusalem is right across the Jordan River from Amon Jordan. And the Jordanians were controlling Jerusalem up till the Six-Day War of 1967. And the Jews drove them out and possessed Jerusalem for the first time in 2,600 years. Now, let's keep reading. 
So this is talking about when Jerusalem's coming back, and this is what's happened already. When you shall see Jerusalem compassed Kuklao with armies that they were encamped by armies by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. And they've been encamped by armies every generation since until the Six-Day War of 67. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that Jerusalem's desolation is nigh. And let them which are in Judea, which are the mountains around Jerusalem, flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it during the time period of Jerusalem being compassed with armies. Let them depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter into Jerusalem during this 2,600-year period because this is going to be war after war after war. For these be the days of God's revenge upon Jerusalem because they'd gone after all those idol gods. And he said, I will, if you don't keep my statutes and my commandments, I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and I have the beast carry you away in the captivity. And that's what happened. It's just important to understand Jerusalem coming back together as it is the coronavirus or the famine or any other disease that comes. If you think this is the last disease, you're really sadly mistaken. Or you think this is the only, that it's not going to increase? I'm not trying to tell you how bad the virus is or how bad it's not. I'm telling you it's there. I'm trying to tell you the sword is there, famine is there, and the beast is a world-ruling system. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It comes out of this book, and all these people want to sit around fighting over the coronavirus. They know nothing about this book. I've spent my life studying prophecy. I started studying the 70 weeks of Daniel, which is about this very thing in 1964. I have put thousands of hours in it. For these be the days of God's revenge, that all things which are written in the Old Testament might be fulfilled. Warn to them that are with child, during these days where Jerusalem is going to be under attack, those who have children, and to them that give suck in those days, there shall be great distress in the land of Israel and wrath upon these people, the Jews, for going after these idol gods and for these, their priests not telling the truth about God's statutes and laws. The same thing that people like Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price and Joyce Myers and Creflo Dollar and all these guys are saying about God and Billy Graham talking about accept Christ and pray the sinner's prayer and it's not true you sound like you're really hot I am I'm tired of the preachers lying to the American public I'm not here to tell you how bad the coronavirus is I'm here to tell you it's of God anything that comes is of God God uses evil men to bring evil upon his people you say well what about the people that are not under God's wrath 
when it rains, it rains on the just and the unjust. And our hope is in Christ. It's not in this world. Let's keep reading. And they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. That's when they were carried away, 722 and 586. Until. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Until when? Until the Six-Day War of 1967, when they take it back from the pagans for the first time in all of these millennium, all of these centuries and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the whole context of this is the Gentiles ruling so let me put that in there until the Gentile rule over Israel be fulfilled you say what's going to keep the Arabs from and the Islamic people from taking back over back over here in Amos Amos, the last chapter, the last few verses. Hosea, Joel, Amos. This is what's going to keep them from being scattered again. Amos. The beast goes right along with the coronavirus or whatever virus is here at the time of Christ's end time prophecies. Oh, Joel, Joel, Amos. Amos. Here's what God says concerning bringing Israel back. Verse 15, chapter 9. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. They'll never be pulled up again. That means... The Islamic people are wasting their time. God's going to bring judgment. This thing cannot stop. I've said it last week. There's going to be distress of nations with perplexity in that next verse, the 25th verse of Luke 21. Perplexity means no answer, no way out. That's what it means. You can deal with that or not. Now, I want us to go back over here to the 11th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah is talking about, he's talking about through his book, the devastation of northern Israel. How they're going to be carried away, how God's going to call the Gentiles to take the as his people. Now, I can't read the whole chapter. I'll read the first couple of verses, then I'll go on down into the chapter. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. That the rod out of the stem of Jesse, Jesse was the father of David. And Jesus will be the root of David. Out of Jesse would come the king. Jesse comes from Judah, Judah, out of the line of Judah. 
the king comes out of Judah. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. I got a lot to say about the branch. I don't have time to get to it. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord is going to rest upon Christ. This is a prophecy of Christ to come. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. That's Christ. You find that in the 12th chapter of Revelation. In the first chapter of Revelation, a sword coming out of his mouth. The 19th chapter of Revelation. With the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. And faithfulness, the girdle of his reins. That's his mind. And a wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The lamb is a picture of the church. The wolf is the picture of false teachers. They're always false teachers. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The leopard is the picture of the Grecian Empire, which followed up the Persian Empire, which was the following after the Babylonian Empire. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, that's a picture of the lion being Babylon and the calf being the church. And the little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones and shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. This is figurative language. is talking about the lion or the beast will lie down and he will not eat up the lamb. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. A cockatrice was a poison snake. But this is not talking about poison snakes. This is talking about false teachers. And proof of that is the next verse. Verse 9. They. Who is they? That's a pronoun. Pronouns have antecedents. That's the, that's the lion, the wolf, the cockatrice, the bear. The bear is Persia. And it says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain. The holy mountain of God was Zion. What won't hurt in God's Zion? You mean they had a rash of lions and wolves running through Jerusalem and eating up people and cockatrice, poison snakes, biting people and killing them in literal Jerusalem? No. It's talking about Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, and false teaching lions, won't, false teaching wolves won't be in the church during these last 2,000 years, the spiritual Israel, the church. And the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters that covers the sea. That's the Gentiles coming to God's truth. I've got a lot to say on that. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, David, 
and the, the root of Jesse is Jesus coming out of the same family which shall stand for an ensign an oath U-W-T-H a simeon U-W-T-H the same thing as simeon a signal or a flag which shall stand for an ensign of the people and to it the Gentiles shall seek to Christ the Gentiles will seek and his rest shall be glorious and it shall come to pass in that day at the end of time that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people boy well that gives you a complex thing when did he recover the Jews literally well with the Balfour Declaration 1920 then when it expired in 1948 then they got Jerusalem back in 19 in 1967 but I thought heavenly Jerusalem was the church it is I'll tell you what that's a difficult thing to deal with because in order to be a real Jew a Jew is not outwardly but of the heart circumcision is of the heart and we are heavenly Jerusalem the church of the firstborn in Hebrews the 12th chapter now let me show you I'm talking about Israel coming back to one nation the second time to do, to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, which is the Egyptian district, and from Cush, that's Ethiopia, and from Hamath, that's Syria, and Shinar, that's lower Iraq or Babylon, and from the islands of the sea, that would be America or anywhere Israel has been scattered to. That's the earth shall be full of its knowledge and glory as waters that cover the sea. And that is spoken of dozens of times in the Old Testament. And he shall set up an ensign, a sign, a oath, same thing as Simeon in the New Testament for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel he's talking about outcasts the ones who were cast out by God northern Israel in 722 and southern Judah in 586 that's the outcasts of Israel and gathered together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Southern Judah was the southern kingdom. And the envy of Ephraim, that's northern Israel. They were at war with each other all the time when they split. And the envy of, let me put it the way it actually is. The envy of northern Israel shall depart. And the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. And Ephraim shall not envy Judah and Judah shall not vex Ephraim any longer. That's when they come together at the end of time. And they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines. Wow. The Philistines 
is the Gaza Strip down here, southeast of Israel, the Gaza Strip. Gaza Strip, or the land of the Philistines, or the land of Anak. And that's where the Jews had to go. They had to find safety either in the West Bank or the Gaza Strip when Israel was declared a nation, May 14, 1948, when they were declared a nation. Now, let me keep reading. And the envy of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversary of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah. Judah shall not vex Ephraim. They will fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines. They're constantly attacking the Gaza Strip, which was the, which was the safety for the, for the Islamic people after they were declared a nation. The Balfour Declaration expired. That's what it's talking about here. They shall flop on the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west. That's where the Philistines are. Southwest of Israel. This is Israel. This is the West Bank. And that's where they all found solitude after this declaration. And they shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab. Edom is just south of Israel. And Moab is just east of Israel. It's southern Jordan. And the children of Ammon shall obey Israel. Ammon is northern Jordan up here. Northern Jordan. The Jordanians are terrified of Israel. They're right next door neighbors. And Israel has got all of these nuclear warheads. It's easy for the Syrians, which are up here, to say, we'll get you and we'll get our land back when you're right next door to Israel, which is Moab. And northern Jordan, which is Ammon or Ammon Jordan, those were the two sons of Lot when his daughters took him into a cave and had sexual relationships with him. He didn't do that for the sex part. They did it because they thought, well, perhaps maybe Lot will be the Messiah will come through him, and it wasn't. So Jordan is right next door to Israel, and they know the power that Israel has. So they just behave themselves. They have to. Some of the people separated far from Israel, they don't have to behave that much. They shall fly, Verse 14, they shall flap on the shoulders of the Philistines to the west. They shall spoil them of the east together. East of Israel is Jordan. And they shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab, and the children of Ammon shall obey them. You bet your life they do. They're frightened of Israel. Israel has got over 800 nuclear warheads. We're told that by the retired colonel that comes here. He said they will go up, they can shoot one of them nuclear warheads, and it'll go up to a point up there, and they call that an apogee. I guess it's A-P-O-G-E-E. And that's the height of the missile. And so you're going to shoot off 15 or 20 nuclear warheads from that point. That's 800 of these missiles.
and the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. The tongue would be this right here. That's the land of the wilderness. And they have a lot of the war in that area. The tongue of the Egyptian sea with his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river and shall smite it in the seven streams and make men to go over dry shot. And there shall be an highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. Now, we see, we see Judah and Ephraim, the breach is healed. They're back into one nation. The Bible says when they come into one nation, back to that 21st chapter of Luke. I'm not just talking about the coronavirus. I'm talking about all four judgments of God. And we're right on the verge of the end of time. What do you think all that's going, about going over there in Israel fighting all these Arabs? It's because they took the land that the Arabs said was theirs, but the, by the same token, in Genesis, Genesis, the uh, 17th chapter and the 28th chapter, says the land belongs to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Well, they can say possession is nine points of the law. They really believe what they're saying because they owned the land for 400 years. I can, I can have pity upon the Arabs saying, I know you had it. If you don't believe the Bible where it says it belongs to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, You've got to pay the penalty with God for not believing him. I can see why the Arabs crashed planes in the World Trade Center. Those guys weren't crazy. They believed in their cause. But that won't get them into heaven. Now go back over here to Luke 21. How much time do I have, Mike? Oh, maybe I can get to the other chapter on this. Luke 21, let me read that again. Verse 24, they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword for 2,600 years and shall be led away captive into all nations. That's when they were carried away by northern Israel. Northern Israel was carried away by Assyria. Southern Judah carried away by Babylon. They'll be led away captive in all nations. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentile rule over Israel is finished. Well, it's done. And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. Aporia. No answer. No answer, no way out. The sea and the waves roaring. We're having more. It's like these are birth pangs waiting for Jesus to come. It's called birth pangs. 
the sea and the waves roaring, there's more, more weather upheaval. The earth is heating up. Whether people believe that or not is not the point. It is. We're having the hottest weather we've ever had. When you say hottest weather, what do you mean? Temperature-wise, no. They take the average temperature every day. They take the average temperature every day where they get the temperature measured by these great, magnificent thermometers. Get it right down to the finest point, and then they take it and add it all up and divide it by 365. temperatures every day and then they add it up and it equals this number they divide that number by 365 in America and they get the average temperature per day and it's hotter than it's ever been what really gets me we're not just talking about coronavirus. We're talking about the sword, the famine, the pestilence of the beast. The beast is the world ruling system. It's already taking over. You think you could stop it? No. The beast is God's judgment. He only starts it and stops it. Because preachers are lying, not telling the truth. I wonder why God just doesn't drop a bomb on this nation, wipe it out. America is no more Christians than some dog out here in a dog pound. They're just not Christian. They don't believe in a daily cross, self-denial, death to self, suffering for righteousness sake, persecution. They certainly don't believe in being hated by the world. And Jesus said you have to be hated by the world. They certainly don't believe in being infamous. They want to be famous and well-liked and popular. And if you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God. I like to insert that every time I can think of it. Then he goes on to say here in verse 26, Men's hearts will be failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Remember, the heavens is the ruling class, is the governing class. The powers of the governments will be shaken, and it's being shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming, parousia, his physical arrival, in a cloud with power and great glory. This is thing going to build up to a miserable point, and you're not going to want to live in it. And when they see the Son of Man coming with power and great glory, when these things begin to come to pass, what things? Everything he's talking about in this chapter. It's a sister chapter to Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 gives a real description of the things that were happening. Many will deceive, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. They're not going to, you can't deceive by saying you're Christ. Jesus said, they're going to say that I am Christ. And they'll deceive for money and things and stuff. 
when these things began, archaomai, A-R-C-H-O-M-A-I, archaomai, A-R-C-H-O-M-A-I, begin. It comes from the word A-R-C, and arc is the beginning of a circle. When you finish up the arc, you have a circle. It means beginning. It means, it means at the commencement of these things. It doesn't say after they've been going on a long time. The coronavirus is a beginning of sorrows. We've never had anything, whether it's put on or not. We've never had anyone say we have a worldwide pandemic. We never had that before. If somebody is faking it, boy, they're sure doing a good job. I'm not looking toward what's happening on the earth. I don't expect the coronavirus to go away. And if it does, I expect something to immediately follow. I believe we're on the verge of eternity. Men's hearts failing for fear. Uh, back to verse 28. And when these things began to come to pass, then look up, believers, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The redemption of the body. We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not go before those that are asleep. It says prevent means to go before. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Remain perilipa means to survive some great slaughter that's going on on the earth. We which are alive and survive the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. The beast is going to attack the church. These are not separate things that come at different times. God bounces them up to the end and brings them all at once upon the earth. That's what's happening right now. When these things begin to come to pass, and he spake unto them a parable, Behold, the fig tree and all the trees. Israel was called a fig tree. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. Israel is blooming like never before. So likewise ye, when you shall see these things come to pass, Know ye that the kingdom of God is here, is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. There's been a lot of arguments about this generation. They say, well, it doesn't say that generation. It doesn't even say this or that. It says a U-T-A-T. 
her generation. Talking about the church. The church will not pass away until everything is fulfilled. Her generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away. What does that mean? The heavens was the ruling class, the ones that were ruling. The earth was the ruled. He said the people that are ruling and the new heavens is the church. The earth was the ruled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed. I love that word, take heed. Prosecco. It means to hold. An echo is, is a sound that's held. Hello, hello, hello. That's just a Greek word that means to hold. Pros means toward. Hold your ear and your mind toward. It actually means to pay attention. Pay attention. Take heed. Pay attention to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. Overcharged. Baruno. B-A-R-U-N-O. It means to become too heavy. Heavy. Take heed lest you're lest you become too heavy with surfeiting. Surfeiting, kaipel, means seized or pain and feeling bad. And surfeiting means to glut yourself with the things of this world and drunkenness. That's a spiritual drunkenness takes a mixed elixir to become drunken when you mix your opinions with the world and cares of this life. And so that day would come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. The coronavirus or whatever is here at the end do I believe the coronavirus is, let's just say it's not as dangerous as people are saying. You think this is the end of it? You think this is the end of God's judgment? If nothing else, they've got the whole world, whoever they is, terrified. I don't know how dangerous it is. I'm going to practice and keep the law of the land. I'm going to try to do everything I can, but I'm going to keep preaching the truth. And I'm going to preach against these preachers that's brought all of this about. If we're at the end of time, and we must be, with the prophecy that I've been teaching you this morning, goes on to say, Watch ye therefore, and pray always, bow to God's will, 
that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I've got so much more on this. Do I have any time? I can't even get started. Let me show you something I've really been thinking about with all of this. And it goes with all of this riding in the streets. Go over here to Revelation, the sixth chapter. Revelation 6. It goes with all the rioting, people at each other's throats. I'm not going to get at anybody's throat. People get angry at me. That'll be your business between you and God, not between me and you. I don't know how dangerous this coronavirus is. I'm not going to be convinced by a lot of opinions. You give me documentation by some authority. And I'm still going to be very careful because there's some, I know the scriptures about prophecy and that's something all of these world organizations don't know. Am I expecting this? I've been expecting something like this for decades in my life. I just don't believe people realize just how bad things are going to get before the end. Let me put it this way. It's going to be a lot worse than just the coronavirus. Coronavirus is just a prelude how men can control things. I'm going to abide by the laws, try to abide by safety. I don't want to take any judgments on myself and cause somebody to come down with this virus in Australia or up in New York. I'm going to be as careful as I can be. I have people that get upset at me and call me names. That'll be up to you. There's some things I know about the Scripture I don't think most people know. I've spent my life in this, studying these prophecy things. It's talking about the end of time in the sixth chapter of Revelation. Verse 12, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became blood. To become blood means to die. If the moon dies, then it means it's not reflecting the light of the sun. There's a lot to be said about that. Over in Micah, the third chapter, the Bible says the sun will go down over the prophets, where there won't be any more truth. So this is talking about no truth. The sun turns, it doesn't mean the sun is going to be blotted out. If the sun is blotted out, everybody on earth will die. And the stars of heaven shall fall unto the earth. What were the stars in the first chapter? The stars were in the right hand of Christ, and they're the angels of the seven churches, and you got seven angels in eight, nine, and ten of this book. And the stars, I believe the stars are the seven stars in his right hand. Seven was a number of divine refinement. 
and the heaven departed as a scroll. I don't mean, I don't believe that means the heavens above are going to roll back like a scroll. When it rolled together and every mountain, a mountain was a capital city. You can look that up under Mount and McClinic and Strong. Every mountain and island shall be moved out of their places. Every ruling class are going to be moved out when Christ comes back. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in dens and rocks of the mountains. I believe this is figurative language. People are going to hide themselves from God's judgment. That's what a lot of men are doing about the virus. Trying to hide from it. They're not even recognizing it as the judgment of God. And said to the mountains and rocks, follow us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The next verse is the one I wanted to get to. And the great day of his wrath is come. Doesn't say that in the Greek. It says the megalay. Megalay. Feminine gender. It's not God's wrath. The great day. Day is feminine. Great is feminine. It doesn't say his wrath. It says the or gay tay o r g ada the or gay was placed upon man that's the wrath of wrath of revenge i'm going to get you back for calling me names or i'm going to get your race back i'm going to get you back for abusing me and being prejudiced against me. You can't straighten out police officers by demonstrating. If you got 200,000 police officers, can you require that they all believe God and they believe in predestination? They're godly and holy and righteous. You're going to have certain ones that put on a uniform and they're turning into little gods you can't fix that you got too many people out there you can't you can't legislate sin either a person has conviction or they don't the great the great day of the revenge of man the reason it's feminine gender is Babylon mothered all idolatry on self. Let us make us a name. That's why it's feminine. It's the revenge of a covetous man and it's rampaging wild. That is much, that is as much a sign of the end as the, as the coronavirus. This is the great wrath of man has come. Then it says, who shall be able to stand? Well, why would you need to stand after Christ comes and we're changed in the moment and the twinkling of an eye, the eye twinkles about one millionth of a second. Who needs to stand after that? 
This is not the great day of God's wrath. It's the great day of man's rage against one another. That's what it says in the original text. Who shall be able to stand? You're not going to need to stand after Jesus comes in a cloud with great power and great glory and says it's over and he's going to stomp Satan and the false prophet and cast the beast and the false prophet into a lake of fire. Nobody, we don't need to stand. We're going to be up in the clouds with the Lord in the air. Can you see that? There's no need to stand after he comes. We're going to be with him. Who shall be able to stand under the wrath of man that turns loose in the world? You can't stand against these mob crowds, can you? You think this is the end of it? You think that it's going to be over? Because they've kind of put a, they've quelled some of them and held it down. I believe we're going to come to the plants that whoever ends up president is going to have to put martial law in the streets to straighten all this out. I've got more to say on this, but the whole point is the beast that follows sword, famine, pestilence. The beast has been loosed in the world. I believe it's a new world order. They're trying to control everything. And guess what? They're going to until Jesus comes. You can't fix it. You can fight against it. You can't fix it. The beast is what God sent. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. I don't know what to say anymore. I'm really tired. Wore out with the world. I pray for the church. You'll give them strength to stand. Make them strong. None of this is going away. I am convinced of that. One thing may subside and you'll raise up another. Thank you for your truth. Give me strength to keep standing up here and saying these words. And give the church strength, these people that don't know what to do with themselves. Give them strength to stand because you're not going to reduce all this worldwide problem. And it's just one big problem. It's because the preachers are lying. Thank you for truth in Christ's name. Fight for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I believe we're on the verge of eternity is what I believe.